Okay, it's the third week of Advent, and I'm calling this little nugget Desert Witness, Solitary and Free. I love the gospel today. First chapter of John. Who are you? What do you have to say for yourself? John responds, I am the voice of one crying in the wilderness. John the Baptist, of course, not the gospel writer. This Advent is another week that pops our holiday bubble, cracks our globe of fake snow, and gives us John the Baptist again. It's, it's a marvel to me that half of Advent always centers on this burning bush who blazes for the one to come. John the Baptist exposes our need to be saved. To do so, this desert witness stands alone and reveals our deserts. He invites us to come away from the boozy party into solitude, to face inconvenient truth, but more than that, the wonder of his love. I recall when I was sort of morphing into a gay-identified teen later in junior high school, I I recalled a, a family gathering. We had all pulled away. We were up in the mountains above Long Beach, and my grandmother uh, had, had, had just become a Christian. She had been identified with various sort of Christian sects, but she had sort of come in to a clear, born-again understanding of this personal Jesus. And I remember her late one night literally wailing over her unbelieving children. That would be my father uh, and my aunt. Uh, Both of them were present at this gathering, were very cold to this Jesus, but very warm on booze and materialism. Uh, It was a very full Christmas, but it was always very empty for us spiritually. Unable to reach her children, she was just crying in her bed, and my room happened to be next to her, and I I went to bed, honestly, a little frightened. Why was she crying? Now, my eldest brother, Jay, began to drive her and her friends to some Pentecostal healing meetings outside of Long Beach, and in, in doing so, he began to catch the Jesus bug. So fast forward now three years, uh, my brother Jay broke down at a holiday gathering in some tears and also just frustration for, for why all of us were still refusing this Jesus. My brother Joel and I were pretty awful in those days. You should see the family pictures. And we were both high on something or another, both sort of just waiting to get out of there and hang out with our loser friends. And we laughed, and then we got mad that this Jesus, whoever he was, was once again wrecking our Christmas. Later that night, though, when I went to sleep, before I did, 
I wondered who who is this Jesus? Who is he? Burning bushes, both of them. How blessedly disturbed are we who behold these Johns, quoting Father Alfred Delp, standing before us, solitary, austere, weathered by the storms and loneliness of the desert, but authentic. The tender indignation of grandma and brother leveled the ground for me to behold this Jesus. My daughter Katie similarly creates level paths as she coordinates our local Living Waters group at the parish where I attend. She leads the team in pre-gathering prayer, first of all, by declaring the goodness of God. She aligns us with this good God, Lord of life, able to dispel the pollutants that she and we have collected over a long, uneven day. So we just praise him. We, we, we make a sacrifice of praise, and she leads us in that. Then she'll lead us out with a confession, and she'll begin. She'll admit how she choked or faltered, failed to hold the charge of his marvelous love that day. She may well weep a bit. Our female leaders are just better at that, and the guys are always like, I wish I could do that. (laughs) That frees the rest of us to admit the holes in our armor, blessed gaps. Our own misery admitted invites the mercy of God. Leveled, somehow strength rises and we're ready to impart healing to those who have yet to come and will do so in the next half hour or so. Katie blazes the way for us to do that. Marco Casanova is another one who does this, and I want to share my favorite story, and it's a timely one, of how he does just this. He waxed John the Baptist at his wedding to Anya, which was, is, exactly a year ago in Krakow. So, Happy anniversary, you two. This is, this Sunday, is their anniversary. Saturday, Sunday, this weekend is their anniversary. So as Marco just wanted to bless the crowd that had gathered in this beautiful reception area above the, the, the main drag in Old Tan Krakow, as he was sort of toasting us, blessing us, he went out on a bit of a limb to declare this God who assumed flesh in Jesus, very timely, it was, it was still Advent, uh, how this God, incarnate God, assumed flesh in Jesus Christ as to reconcile all of us to our good flesh, the reconciling work of Jesus' flesh, God's flesh in Christ, freeing us to be reconciled to our sexual humanity. Beautiful. That's a beautiful truth. But then he got very specific about it. He punctuated it by sharing how Jesus broke the grip of his disordered flesh, of his homosexuality, and freed him to integrate so that he could embrace this beautiful woman, Anya. 
Now, some of you might think, oh, come on, at a wedding, TMI. You know what? For those of us called in the spirit of John the Baptist, it is not too much information. It wouldn't have been for forerunners like John the Baptist. And it's not for men in the style of John the Baptist like Marco Casanova. I'm grateful that Anya's family, who didn't know about this at all, and some family and friends from Texas that had come from Marco's side, I'm glad they discovered something new about Jesus that night. And I'm glad that Marco put himself out there as the burning bush to say, look, Jesus can do this. Isn't that marvelous? I love that. You know, frankly, I'm so grateful to be a Catholic, but I find that it can be, everything can be so homogenized. We're always trying to make everything so sort of milk toast for people for fear of the slightest offense. Well, you know what? Sometimes we need to be stopped in our tracks. Sometimes we need to be provoked a little and go, oh, I, that doesn't really feel good to me, but actually I think it is good because it's stopping me in my tracks and causing me to reckon with something of this God-man that, that is, is calling me into a deeper truth. And, and the blessed challenge of saying, am I actually lining up with his truth? And does this actually add gravitas to grace? It's that kind of weighty grace that I need in order to, to, to call myself a Christian authentically. We who stand in the spirit of John the Baptist are called to be burning bushes in our own right. What may seem merely too personal for a wedding, e.g. how Jesus transforms disordered sexual identity, is today an affront to thoughtful young Christians. Most of them, and this is an increasing number, would conclude that a person's long-standing same-sex desires are their destiny, impermeable to Jesus, who maybe rose from the dead and maybe even uh, is alive and well in the host, but who for whatever reason cannot touch Identity confusion. Advent reasserts the truth in the face of growing compromise. Advent exposes our inertia, may well temper our holiday highs, and invites us down to the one worthy of our surrender. Katie gets this. Jesus is the ultimate before whom authentic ones witness the gap between ourselves and him and bow down before him. Jesus, make us into your image. Challenge the ways that we have conformed you to ours. To close, Father Alfred Delp wrote on December 14th of 1941 in Munich, Oh, that once again people would perceive our enthrallment with this Jesus, our true ultimate allegiance to the one. 
to this Jesus in whose advent we stand. We testify of who he is. Our confession is our very being, consecrated by the Lord God, testifying for itself and for the Lord God, for Christ, who, yes, is our mystery, but who also is our strength and our certainty, and whose advent alone is the one and only salvation of the world. Bless you.